0: this episode of the Range-Minded Podcast, we talk about the Congressional hearing uh, going into arm braces, and it's kind of a long episode. I know it gets kind of deep. Hopefully it's not too boring, but let's jump right into it. Episode 208, Your Fight for Your Rights in Congress. Have you wondered where Congress is at? in defending your gun rights? Well, that is exactly what we're going to be talking about in this episode of the Range mighted Podcast. Episode 208, Your Fight for Your Gun Rights in Congress. Anyways, let's jump into it. So I don't know if you've been paying attention or not. There is actually a lot going on with representation at the very top uh, for your gun rights. Thankfully, we have people in Congress who are willing to argue for your fundamental rights, when it comes to firearms ownership and and use, and uh, you know they are God given rights. I don't know if you've listened or not, but there uh, or paid any attention at all. But Congress recently had a hearing uh, with a, with four individuals, and I, I can't remember all their names off the top of my head. But uh, we have a, a, well the, the dude that runs Fudbusters. He's an attorney. <clears throat> I'm very familiar with firearms law. We have uh, Mister oh what's his name mr wilcox that's what it is he's from i think every town he's a director of every town usa which for some reason the 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 representation on the left side of the aisle decided to choose him to come testify and speak for the atf which he does not do anything for the atf he is a, represent, a representative from every town usa and then uh mr oh i can't remember the dude's name see i i should have been way more prepared with this uh, but Mr. Uh, What's-his-name that owns SB Tactical, and I'm sure some of you guys are out there, come on, Steve, you know who that is. And uh, and then we have uh, another young lady who uh, who is a constitutional attorney, and she's very, very intellectual when it comes to firearms law and constitutional law. So I have done my best. Now, I've been watching nearly all of this hearing. It's almost five hours with a couple of recesses in there. I've watched... Nearly four hours of this um and honestly, I could keep watching it, but I have got to get a show going for you guys so you can figure out what's going on uh with your rights so I've decided i'm gonna let them do most of the talking i've I found a few clips, and so we'll listen to some of these sound bites, and each sound bite is a is, you know roughly five minutes that's how much time each of these individuals have um and then we can dig into it now. There, There's only, I think, one excerpt that I, I decided to play from the left side of the aisle. Most of it is, like, duct tape-worthy uh, for your head. I mean, it is it is really frustrating. In fact, most of the, the, the Democrat colleagues, I guess you could call it, Democrat representation in this hearing decided to showboat this and hijack this hearing for... Um, you know, just gun violence. When it should be specifically, it was held specifically for the arm race ruling and the ATF to to answer to it, but they decided to to use this as an opportunity to talk about gun deaths. And honestly, they're manipulating numbers. Um, we've talked about that before. Uh, how they've changed uh, the definitions of of um, mass shootings, and and they've talked about. Uh, the firearms are the leading cause of death among children in the United States. Now, you got to understand, and we've talked about this, and you need to do your own homework. Don't just believe what I say. You need to do your own homework and realize that those numbers are being manipulated. It is not true numbers, okay? That Especially when it comes to, to firearms being the lead of co- leading cause of death of children because, well, they've categorized children all the way up to age 19, and... And... Uh, <laughs> The problem is, is when you get to 15 to 19, the leading cause of death is gang violence. And it is in this minority of communities, these inner city communities, where there is massive gang violence. And the, the left refuses to admit that. They want to use the total number, and, and comparing apples to oranges when they cross state lines, uh, and using state-by-state state statistics, they're manipulating the numbers to create fear and doubt. Don't take my word for it. Please don't take the Democrats' word for it. Do your own research, do your own homework, and decide for yourself what's going on. All right, I want to jump to this first one here, and uh, it is uh, Representative Jim Jordan, who is, man, that dude is on fire. If there's anybody who stands for your rights, actually, do you know what? We're going to jump back. There's Mr. Gates. Uh, I didn't include this segment in what I was going to talk about, but... This is fantastic. Let's jump to M- Matt Gates first. Maybe, hold on, what's going this on here? This
1: issues a report in June of 2016, Firearms Data, the ATF did not always comply with the Appropriations Act restriction and should better adhere to its policies. Uh, Mr. Wilcox, you're the witness the Democrats have invited here today. Are you familiar with that report? I am. And does the fact that the ATF broke the law concern you?
2: Um, The report, I believe, supported ATF's action in cataloging records to stop crime.
1: I'll read from it. It says, a technical defect allows ATF agents to access data, including purchaser data, beyond what ATF policy permits. Do you take any umbrage with that conclusion?
2: ATF has been collecting out-of-business records pursuant to a law signed by Ronald Reagan, and President Trump digitized more records than any other president.
1: I don't care who did it. I'm just worried about— the impact on my citizens. And I would acknowledge there may be Republican presidents who didn't do enough in the 80s to protect our gun rights. But on this finding, the ATF had to delete 252 million records, didn't they?
2: So this is a tool that's helped solve 50% of crime oh, wait, wait, wait. Races. Did they have to delete
1: 252 million records?
2: What I know about this tool is that it's Th- a am asking tool. you
1: Did they have to delete, you said you're aware of the report. Is that conclusion correct? They had to delete 252 million records.
2: I'm not aware of that line, but what I'm aware okay. of is the tool, Well, I, I'll, tool. I'll represent to you that
1: that's what had to happen. The fact that the government collected 252 million records that was beyond the law, beyond policy, never approved according, not to me, not to my fellow Republicans, but to the GAO, should that be concerning to us, that
2: scope of records being collected? ATF's collection of out-of-business records was fully complying with the law. That's issue. not what the GAO said, so you disagree with the GAO report. Well, there's two points they made. One is the collection of out-of-business paper records that, that FFLs keep. The second piece was the collection of electronic records that FFLs keep. And what the GAO said was they, the electronic records were not being converted sufficiently. And that's right. what ATF so to, delete to them. become in compliance they with the law.
1: Because they had gone beyond their authority. You see, that's, that's the concern of my constituents. When they go beyond their authority, And you may find those things virtuous, but no one elected you. They elected us to make the laws, and when we make the laws and they don't follow them, then people's rights get diminished. Another area is this issue of the arm braces. Now, in Mr. Wilcox's testimony, he says that an arm brace makes a weapon more powerful. Mr. Bosco, you know a lot about arm braces, don't you? I do. Do arm braces make firearms more powerful? They do not. They do not. (laughs) Does it concern you that... The witness that the Democrats brought would would make such a claim that is is obviously disproven by any utilization of those arm braces?
3: I hope that my testimony today can help everyone here understand that the brace does nothing to make the weapon any more dangerous than it already is.
1: And so when you've got the ATF going beyond their authority, collecting 252 million records that they have to destroy, well, that can just be explained because they're doing their best. But when Americans get inadvertently converted to felons because the ATF has exceeded their authority, there is no such grace for them, is there, Miss Ware?
4: Uh, that would seem to be the case under the, the recent policy change to zero tolerance.
1: Zero tolerance for our fellow Americans when they're trying to exercise their rights and protect their liberties, but all the tolerance in the world for a corrupt, bureaucracy that is violating the law, exceeding their authority, and collecting records that they have no business collecting. Um, I would make this final observation. I had the great privilege to spend two years on the House Judiciary Committee with the gentlelady from Missouri, and while she and I disagree strongly on this issue, her beliefs are sincere, and they are strong, and they are powerful, particularly when she expresses them. And so when she says to people that she wants to defund the police, she means it. And when she says in this committee meeting that gun violence is a public health emergency, well, she means that too. And our fellow Americans know the impact of folks up here in Washington declaring everything and anything a public health emergency. It means you're more likely to be locked in your homes, deprived of your freedoms, less healthy, less safe, less secure, and less able to live a truly American life. So know this. When the left talks about this as a public health emergency, get ready to see those enhanced authorities abused by the ATF. And Mr. Chairman, it is my sincere hope that that in the very near future, we will have those very folks from the ATF here. And I intend to be utilizing the new rules that we have in the House of Representatives to offer amendments to the Appropriations Act to zero out their salaries for breaking the law and abusing the liberties of our fellow Americans.
0: Absolutely on fire, man. I'm telling you, Gates is a bulldog right he He absolutely cares about your rights to keep and bear arms, and he's not going to stand for anything else like th- to get past it and That's one thing we need to understand about, especially the makeup of the Judiciary committee right now. It is very, very favorable to your rights, very favorable uh, <coughs> excuse me. There, there's so much more to this. Let me jump to. I'm telling you, there's so much frustrating time in some of these, some of these commentaries. It's, it's absolutely bonkers. Um, oh, we'll, we'll jump to one of ones I, I already. There's so many good sound bites and and testimonies from these witnesses and from some of the the members of the judiciary committee that that is just awesome. Um. Let's see, where is I wanted to get to Jim Jordan, but let's jump to Lauren. Well, you know what? No, we'll skip Lauren Borbert. She's she is awesome. She's a little, little honey badger as well. She she can be feisty. And uh some sometimes she kind of goes off the rails of the point of this of this hearing. Let's jump to Jim Jordan here. <clears throat> well, let's see. Sorry. Now, what you need to do because of these hearings because of how important they are, you need to spend some time listening and, and learning of them as well. Actually, this is another good one here. I can't remember this gentleman's name, but we're gonna listen to this. Oh yeah, I gotta hit play.
5: President Biden and the ATF purposely decided to put a plan together to take millions of law-abiding citizens and turn them into felons after May 31st just like that through a rule on stabilizing braces, which is nearly a total ban. This action, despite prior guidance from the ATF, Mr. Bosco, as you testified earlier, to the contrary. Does that sound crazy? Of course it does, but this is just another day in Joe Biden's America. Inaction by this body is sanctioning a lawfully established good actor in the community, your company, Mr. Bosco. Um, Let's just change the rules midstream. In order to register firearms under this proposal, gun owners are required to destroy...
0: This is Mr. Fry. Um, I don't know what state he represents, but that's who this is.
5: ...turn in, rebuild their guns, or fill out what is called a Form 1. This is the Form 1. It is a 17-page guidance on how to fill out a government form. This means that owners of up to 40 million braces... Uh, will spend a...
0: again, you know they threw out this number of 40 million arm braces. Now SB Tactical is responsible in their guesstimation, there's somewhere around three to four million that they have sold themselves and there's probably, according to some congressional research, somewhere around 40 million arm braces uh, in public hands. I have a sneaking hunch that that number is actually quite low. I think it's probably a little bit higher than that, but what do I know?
5: Collective 160 million hours registering their lawfully acquired firearms to comply with ATF's unconstitutional rule. Anyone who does not register, turn in, rebuild, or destroy their brace firearm by ATF's arbitrary deadline will be subject to a 10-year in federal prison or $250,000 per firearm. These aren't illegal guns. These are lawfully, these are lawfully, this, these are lawfully uh, acquired guns. For perspective, in 2020, ATF reported they processed 512,000 National Firearms Act gun registration forms at that rate, assuming no further backlog and assuming all affected gun owners comply with gun registration date by May 31st it would take the ATF over 78 years to process all the pistol registration forms. The ATF is proposing regulations they aren't even capable of handling. Ms. Weyer, who is in charge of making the rules, making law in the United States of America?
4: Uh, that would be Congress.
5: Would you say that it's a fair assessment that ATF is attempting to usurp congressional, uh, congr- Congress's powers and undermine the Second Amendment?
4: Uh, I, I think ATF in recent years has sought to do that in, in several ways, yes.
5: It, in, in in what ways? Curious. Uh,
4: so, as I, I noted both in my written and, and my opening remarks, um, so one of them is with uh, this this pistol brace rule. So Congress, yes, I, I think irrationally in 1934, but nonetheless did seek to regulate short barrel rifles. Uh, and ATF for a long time took the position that these were not short barrel rifles, and then just like that, it changed its mind and said we're going to override that um, with respect to. Uh, firearms themselves, ATF decided unilaterally that even though Congress said we can regulate you know, firearms and um, uh, frames and receivers of firearms, well, we think now we can regulate almost frames and almost receivers, um, which is really just a, a hunk of drilled out metal. It's, it's not a functional firearm in and of itself. Um, and, and in that way, we're going to claw back more power for ourselves.
0: Now, Mrs. Swear here, I couldn't remember her name before, but she's part of the Heritage Foundation. She is very competent when it comes to firearms and your rights.
4: Um, so I think you see this quite a bit of, of ATF uh, not just interpreting the law, but um, intentionally misinterpreting the law to give itself more power.
5: The pistol brace ban is unconstitutional, it's irresponsible, and it's quite frankly downright maddening. Uh, In this poster behind me, you see two guns. Mr. Bosco, would option A or option B make you a felon under ATF's proposed rule?
0: Now, I know I'm gonna try and describe the picture behind this gentleman. Uh, Option A is just a standard 16-inch barrel with a standard rifle stock. Option B is a, looks like probably a a 10 or 11-inch barrel (coughs) with a pistol brace. Uh, other than that, there is very little difference.
3: Uh, well, option B uh, in 120 days will make you a felon. Do you think the common
5: American citizen w- would reasonably be able to distinguish uh, which is the firearm of a felon
3: versus a law-abiding citizen? Well, that's the whole point here. I mean, this is what I was talking about. Again, I have no disagreement with with uh, Miss Jackson Lee. I have no disagreement with my colleague with uh, with respect to what the ATF does. But this is not what the ATF should be doing. The ATF is making a rule, okay, and they're saying that this rule has criminal implication. It circumvents the legislative process. That's what's happening here. All I'm saying, and all I have been saying, is that ATF should not be making laws. That's up to the people up in front of me. What makes this firearm behind me illegal under the ATF proposed rule? Well, uh, essentially what they're saying, after 10 years of saying the opposite, is that the piece of plastic attached to the back of that firearm, which is a piece of rubber with two flaps and a strap, is now a stock similar to the one in A.
5: Does the arm brace make the firearm more deadly? For example, does it turn a semi-automatic weapon into
3: a machine gun? It doesn't turn the firearm into anything. All it is is an orthotic device that allows you to fire that weapon in a more safe fashion. What is the impact of this proposed rule if enacted to your company? We'll go out of business. We'll go out of business. The ATF itself said that four of the five companies will go out of business in their impact study. They said that. So they know that they're doing this. Has the federal government ever
5: indicated to you that they would be willing to compensate you for shutting down your business? Never.
0: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I know I'm out of time. I yield back. So the gentleman there in the hearing <clears throat> questioning uh, I mean, he's 100% right. He knew where these questions were going. He knew the answers he was getting, and we all know those answers. The pistol brace, and and I like what was mentioned here, is an orthotic device. It is just a piece of plastic or a piece of rubber with a strap. It doesn't change the definition of the firearm itself. It's nothing more than an accessory, and I know you guys know this. It's just super frustrating that we, we get to... To listen to the rhetoric over and over and over again. Now let's jump to Jim Jordan. Who, man, he is an absolute fireball, absolute fireball. Check this out.
6: Communication communicate with the ATF or the Biden administration about these issues we're well, we discussing we today. We got to go back just a second here because this, proposed rule. this, with this is ATF big.
4: All of us safe, despite right, so this. Is Mrs. We continue Brown. to hear talking we'll, we'll points across the, up the up aisle second. against legitimate.
0: So I'm going to just turn that down because they they go on this soapbox of of gun violence and the problems that they're seeing in their in their states and their cities. What they're not recognizing and they refuse to talk about is inner city violence and, and gang violence. They enjoy using the deaths of you know school kids at Uvalde or or Sandy Hook or whatever, which are tragic. Do not get me wrong; it's awful, it's terrible. But the intent and, and there's a great soundbite later on. The intent of an individual is the only is, is is what's causing the violence. An accessory, a firearm, a knife, a car; those are not anything more than simply tools. Okay, all right. Listen, listen to Jim Jordan uh, thank here. You,
6: Mr. Chairman. Mr. Wilcox, did you or anyone in your organization communicate with the ATF or the Biden administration about these issues we are discussing today prior to the notice of proposed rulemaking?
2: Uh, we submitted formal petitions for rulemaking through the appropriate channels, sir.
6: Before the notice of proposed rulemaking? That's correct. So you were, you were in communication with the Biden administration wanting to make these changes? We filed formal petitions for rulemaking through the appropriate channels. Did you t- Who did you talk to? Uh, it was written submission, sir. Written, did, did you speak to anyone uh, personally? This I, is I big.
0: This is did this Did anyone is crazy. in your organization
6: talk to anyone? Uh,
2: I, I have to check, but I believe we submitted the written submission as a formal submission. People in your the organization may
6: have talked to folks at the ATF prior to the notice of proposed rulemaking? Not that I'm aware. Did anyone in your organization talk to Mr. Dettelbach before the notice of proposed rulemaking? Uh, I don't believe Mr. Dettelbach had been well, He came been in afterward. Anyone, have anyone talked to Mr. Dettelbach about this personally?
2: Uh, of course we've been in communication with the ATF in this administration and in prior administration.
0: So did he just perjure himself? Mr. Jordan asked him, have you been in communication with the ATF? Mr. Dedelbach, anybody? No, nope. We simply submitted a written, uh, written correspondence and we were well within our bounds. Then again, he said, did you or anybody in your organization talk to Mr. Dedelbach? Well, of course we did. Um, what?
6: Talking to the, the director. You've talked to the director.
2: Uh, I mean, we've, we work with ATF across administrations. Have you talked to the director? It's a simple
6: question. Uh, yeah, I've communicated with the director. You've talked to Mr. Dettelbaum? Of course. Yeah, and um, well, I find that interesting. I, I just know as we're speaking upstairs, the, the president of the National School Board Association Associations is sitting for a transcribed interview, because the same thing happened there. National School Board Association talked with the Biden White House, the Biden Justice Department, the Biden Department of Education, concocted this letter that set in motion this whole attack on parents showing up at school boards, and it looks to me like we have a similar operation going on here where you guys worked with the ATF to, to change something that had been the law for 10 years to go after law-abiding Second Amendment Americans, Second Amendment uh, uh, supporting Americans. Mr. Bosco, uh, you invented uh, the stabilizing brace, is that right? That's correct. And you invented it for a Marine buddy, a friend of yours who served our country and was injured? That's correct. And you were told 10 years ago that the stabilizing brace does not convert a pistol into a short-billed rifle. Is that right?
3: That is correct. I got the
6: letter right here from the ATF, November 26, 2012, right? And then seven weeks ago, 180-degree change, Right. 180 degree change, just the opposite. They now say it is just the opposite of what they told you 10 years ago. That's Again, absolute. just to, I know others have talked about this. But I think it's so clear. 180 degree change. So in 10 years and two months, the rule was one way, and you developed business based on the rule that they told you. Your government told you this was fine, and now they've changed it.
3: That's correct.
6: When did the bill pass to change the law?
3: There was no bill.
6: No bill. That's the fundamental issue, right? No bill. Mr. Dettelbach, the new director, he never ran for Congress. I don't think he was ever. I don't remember a bill going through Mr. Nadler's committee last Congress that changed the law. I would have known because I'm on that committee, the Judiciary Committee, which has jurisdiction over this stuff. I would have known. I don't remember a bill passing the full Congress. I don't remember a bill in the Senate Judiciary Committee passing or going through the Senate. And I certainly don't remember a bill going to President Biden's desk that he signed in the legislation that changed the rule. But this could potentially impact millions of Americans, law-abiding, Second Amendment-supporting Americans. Is that right, Mr. Bosco? That's absolutely correct. How many products have you sold just your company alone to Americans? How many Mm. stabilizing braces have you sold?
3: Many millions. I can say that from 2020 to today, which are the the, the years that the ATF didn't concern itself with when it did its impact study, we sold our company alone
6: 2.3 million braces. So while they were doing their study, they didn't count the number of braces that were being sold? They, they, they didn't count in their impact study. That's probably because Mr. Wilcox's organization told them not to count it, right?
3: Boom. I don't want
6: Well, they were talking to him all the time, it sounds like, putting this all together, going after people who support the Second Amendment. How many Americans do you think it's total? So I've heard estimates as many as 40 million Americans could be impacted by this.
3: Correct. Correct. Congressional Research Services has said anywhere between 10 and 40 million Americans own stabilizing braces.
6: Unless you remove the brace, lengthen the barrel, turn in or destroy your firearm or register your gun with this government that you know you can trust, because Mr. Wilcox has been working with them, you know you can trust. Unless you do those four things, what happens? What are you? A felon. A felon. (laughs)
0: I mean he's just he's just eviscerating Mr. Wilcox. What a terrible witness. I'm not saying he's an idiot. Obviously he's he understands gun violence and <clears throat> whatever. He understands numbers, he understands the issues that uh that uh, that they want to bring up. Otherwise he wouldn't be a witness. But how is this individual Mr. Wilcox how is he able to speak for the ATF? he should not be able to. He should have been ejected as a witness other than, you know, he's a great character witness. He understands a lot of what's going on. But how is he able to speak for the ATF? And as Mr. Jordan here is is just dismantling him, he, he, he's showing that, hey, he's not just some individual that runs any town or whatever it is. Mom's Demand Action. I'm not sure exactly. I think it's every town. But he is involving himself in the lawmaking to perpetuate problems that destroy your constitutional rights
6: a felon for something 10 years ago they said was just fine that you build a business on and the business started because you wanted to help a man who put the uniform of his country on his back and served our country and was injured and now they're going to put you out of business and make people felons but don't worry every town USA this Mr. Wilcox has been working with our government to implement this to target second amendment people Americans who support the second amendment such a deal such a deal that's why we need legislation to say this rule does we need to pass that that's what we do need to pass into law now based on what has happened with this organization Mr. Chairman I yield back
0: All right so it is huh <sighs> this, this gets, gets so frustrating. So uh, next we're going to hear from uh, one of our favorites. Oh, okay. Mr. Cellini, you're next. Mr. Cellini. Uh, thank you. I want
7: to just quickly uh, rebut two
0: claims that have been made in this hearing. One, that we've done nothing about. Now, I- I'm doing this not just to be, uh, you know, well, I guess in fairness, we need to hear the other side. We need to hear some of the arguments. Obviously, Mr. Cellini here is his depth and understanding of the firearms community and and uh, operation of an AR-15 or pistol braces or whatever you want to. You know, he just understands everything. So, I think it's important that we listen to this guy.
7: Ghost guns. The ATF has taken action to limit ghost guns. We passed my bill to ban ghost guns as part of the Protect Our Kids Act. Uh, It wasn't acted upon by the Senate. And secondly, this notion that somehow guns level the playing field for women? Really? More than two-thirds of the victims shot and killed by intimate partners uh, are women. And the presence of a firearm makes an abuser five times more likely to take a partner's life than if no firearm is present. So let me just set those two
0: claims aside quickly. So, the reason why this is so I I have not I mean this is not you know play by play obviously so I've taken different sound bites from different places in this hearing Uh, most of them are in chronological order but there are many that I've I've omitted okay and the reason why Mr. Cellini decided to say well let's get rid of this argument that guns make more people you know equal as far as as, uh, in defense right we know that's the case Anytime you, you, you understand and, and are able to use something as a self-defense weapon, as a life-saving device, it is going to be a force multiplier for that person. Yes, it's true. Sometimes in, in altercations, y- your gun can be taken away from you and used uh, against you. Yeah, that does happen. But that comes from training. That doesn't mean that the gun only makes the bad guy more dangerous, and it doesn't help the civilian or, or the innocent party in any situation. He's insincere. He's a buffoon. Um,
7: the reality is, every day in this country, 120 people are killed by gun violence. That's one life lost including, every 12. They're minutes. including suicides. Gun in this. violence is now the leading cause of death in children and teens in the, in this country. There have been more mass shootings than days in 2023. Again, they've our recategorized children are participating and being traumatized is. by active shooter drills
0: because the risk of a school shooting is. So- All right, I'm going to stop right there too for a minute. Okay. If you guys remember, I did a show a while back. There was a school shooting in my child's school. If this jackass wants to talk about what it's like to have somebody shoot up a school, I know what it's like as a parent to deal with it. This buffoon has no freaking clue. Okay, Uh, Maybe I shouldn't have included this because obviously it winds me up. Any death by firearm, by car, by fentanyl, or whatever, is tragic. It is a life. But just saying that it's a gun's fault no matter what, and we have to ban them, is insincere. It is is an asinine argument. Uh, it, It just drives me nuts. I know what it's like to worry about my child's life. In a situation where I was completely helpless, and I knew many of the administrators in that school were completely helpless as well. And thank God there was a teacher there that was able to resolve a situation. And it was by the grace of God himself that that situation was not any worse. Don't lecture me about what it's like, because I have been there. So high. We've even seen a new design for
7: a bulletproof mini room to be installed in classrooms to provide better protection if they're forced to shelter in place. This has become our day-to-day reality in the United States. But we cannot accept this as normal. And yet, as we continue to see the gun violence epidemic in this country continue to grow, how do my Republican colleagues respond? By trying to abolish the ATF, the agency responsible for implementing regulations to
8: curb this It's a corrupt and organization. Advantage.
7: And that brings me to my first question. Uh, Mr. Bosco, this is a yes or no. Is this AR-15 equipped with an SB tactical arm brace? Yes, it is. It is. Now, for members of the audience, this is a picture of the weapon used by the mass shooter who killed five people and wounded 17 on November 19th in the Club Q shooting.
0: Now, it's important to understand that, I mean, they're obviously trying to vilify the pistol brace. I, I, I get it. They're trying to say, hey, this is circumventing the law. It's bypassing the NFA, whatever. I, I understand their argument. But they're vilifying an attachment, a piece of furniture. And it's too bad that this asshole decided to shoot up Club Q and and, and use a rifle, right, or a, in this case an AR pistol, But what the hell does the brace have to do with it? The brace did not make the gun more dangerous. It does not make the gun more concealable. It's just buffoonery. An LGBTQ club
7: in Colorado. It appears to have an SP tactile arm brace that was just identified. The shooter had several run-ins with law enforcement before this massacre, including an incident where he had held his grandparents hostage.
0: Also, I'm pretty sure murder is illegal. I'm pretty sure
7: that led to a SWAT team standoff in 2019. Mr. Wilcox, if the ATF's arm brace rule had been enacted earlier, even last year, would the shooter have been able to obtain this kind of weapon?
2: Uh, thanks for that question. I mean, the fact is, is that short-barreled rifles aren't showing up in mass shootings unless they have been equipped with an arm brace, because those-
0: It's not a short-barreled rifle. In that case, it's a pistol.
2: Have ...been able to get around the national firearm uh, restrictions, so no that product wouldn't have been available as easily as it was if the regulation had been in place.
7: And Colorado Springs is sadly just one example. Mr. Wilcox, have any other mass shootings been committed with AR-15 style weapons with arm braces?
2: Uh, Yes, Congressman, I'm I'm aware of at least two others, one in Dayton, Ohio, and another uh, in Boulder, Colorado.
7: Now we've heard a lot today about ATF's rules subjecting firearms equipped with stabilizing braces uh, to regulation. Does that rule do anything more than close a loophole that allowed people to evade public safety regulations simply by adding accessories to pistols to transform them into short barreled rifles?
2: Uh, No, Congressman. This is ATF enforcing the laws on the books, assessing technology going through the notice and comment rulemaking process taking appropriate action, and providing ample compliance opportunities, uh, waiving the fees that come with the National Firearms Act and having a grace period so that law-abiding responsible citizens can take advantage and register their weapons if they wish.
7: And again, short barrel rifles have been regulated under the National Firearms Act since 1934.
0: Another side note, I know it probably drives you nuts that I keep stopping and commenting, but I cannot help it. What you need to understand is I believe that at least SBRs could be removed from the NFA. I strongly believe that because of all these great Supreme Court rulings that have come out. Uh, we talk about common use, uh, well, and, and uh, dangerous unusual. Guess what? Last year, 500,000 submissions for SBRs have been done. That is well within the bounds of, of common and, uh, and not unusual. So, side note. Isn't that correct?
2: Uh, That's correct. Uh, Your predecessors in Congress established the the clear law in the 1930s uh, around short-barreled rifles.
7: And stabilizing braces have been examined by the ATF since 2012. Why did it take so long for the agency to close this loophole?
9: Loophole.
2: So it's because I believe technology has changed in that time. Uh, And in fact, this wasn't the first time ATF acted. Under the last administration, the Trump...
0: So technology has changed a great deal as far as communication, so maybe we need to review the First Amendment because, well, you know, we don't use pen and quill anymore.
2: Administration, they took action, sending a cease and desist letter to one company that was selling a short-barreled rifle equipped with an arm brace. Um, And so we've seen ATF consistently act as they've started to assess technology before entering the formal notice and comment rulemaking process.
7: And does the ATF rule prohibit veterans or the disabled or any law-abiding American from possessing a firearm equipped with a stabilizing brace? And will vet, the stable veterans uh, be able to keep these types of firearms
0: even if the stabilizing brace was designed to... So this is an insincere, insincere question, um, and this is an argument that they love to make. Just listen.
7: ...be fired from the shoulder.
2: Uh, a- absolutely, Congressman. There's no prohibition in this regulation. There's no prohibition on short-barreled rifles in the National Firearm Act. In fact, ATF processes hundreds of thousands of national firearm applications every year for millions of firearms. This is something ATF knows how to do
0: and does do. So the question was, is there any kind of prohibition that keeps wounded veterans from using an arm brace? And, and obviously Mr. Wilcox's response was, no, no, there's no, there's no ab- abolishment of these individuals. Are, you know, They're still going to have a way to get a hold of these and use these. Yeah, it's, it's called using the NFA and then having to spend a $200 tax stamp on something that is already legal, making it illegal and making it more difficult for people to obtain and use. So, sure, it is, they're not gone, but uh, the tax stamp is still there. the, the it, it's, it's just so insincere. Sorry. I, it just boils my blood.
7: Thank you. I want to just end by thanking all the advocates here for gun safety, for all your good work, and for being present today to hold everyone accountable for their remarks and their votes. And I yield back.
0: Yeah, Mr. Cinderini, or whatever his name is, Cicillini, whatever. A complete jackass he's the one that said that it essentially that an arm brace essentially is a bump stock and increases the rate of fire <clears throat> and then he got destroyed uh by people on the internet saying nope, you're a dumbass um and you know nothing. When I mentioned earlier that he's obviously a genius, that was complete satire and I <laughs> the dude is a buffoon. So I'm gonna jump to the next soundbite. Uh let's see. Um There's some character assassination by by some of these folks on the left here. It's it's pretty disgusting. All right, here's the next one.
3: Make firearms.
10: This is Mr. Tiffany.
3: Things like that. Are you familiar with that? I am, yeah. Um, Tell us how pervasive it is. Well, I mean, as a small business owner, uh, when you start off a company...
0: Now, his question was, uh, as far as, like, getting money from banks to to develop businesses, uh, you'll see where it's going with this this questioning.
3: Obviously, uh, somebody like myself, who does not come from money, um, had to go through typical lenders to try and find uh, funding for what I was doing. And the minute you either, you know, you you need to find a smaller bank, essentially. If you use a larger bank... uh, and you say what you're doing, essentially they'll tell you no. So there's no other place to go other than smaller lending institutions. So what do you think when you
10: hear that, that, uh, that um, the ability to lend is being suppressed?
3: I believe it. So where is it driven from? I mean, it's a politicization. You certainly have people in banks that, that have political opinions.
0: Now, the left loves to attack this argument, saying that uh, institutions um, – aren't attacking, it should be free commerce, why are you attacking banks that don't want to do business with these evil gun community or, yeah, evil gun community businesses? Uh, because it's shutting them down. And that is illegal.
3: And what they do is they use those political opinions um, to essentially stop you from uh, from obtaining any money from them. So there's a real world
10: example going on right in our state of Wisconsin at this time. Um, I believe it's a Bank of America has cut off a company that is involved in uh, producing these types of products, and um, fortunately, a regional bank who uh, really does a good job. uh, It's good for them; they're going to to pick up that business. But um, um, you got one of the big banks that are just saying, "You are now persona non grata." Um, Wouldn't you kind of put this under the heading of ESG? I Uh, would. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Uh, Do. uh, I hope I say your name correctly, Mr. LaRosier. La Do you have any comments in regards to that issue?
9: As far as,
11: as, far as debanking the firearms yeah. industry, uh, it's been an incredible source of tumult for my clients, and especially when, when you're talking about small businesses, Carlos. fewer than 15 employees, then having to pay exorbitant rates not, uh, you know, for things like credit card processing. Um, that's why I'm glad that measures have been taken in states like my own in Florida to to kind of put a stop to that. But I'm also involved in the firearms industry, and I can certainly say that uh, most people will have to either find some unconventional loans or self-start and bootstrap and very often resort to credit cards, whereas other businesses don't have that problem.
10: Thank you. Mr. Wilcox. If a person lies on Form 4473 and and is a user of unlawful drugs, um, you can get between 5 to 10 years for that, is that correct? Is that my understanding?
2: No, I I believe Congress changed the uh, sentence uh, last Congress.
10: Uh, What is that sentence now? Up to 15. Up to 15 years. Uh, Why hasn't Hunter Biden been prosecuted for the crime that he committed?
2: I'm not aware of the facts of that case and
10: can't comment on it. Okay, who do we talk to to see why this uh, case is not being prosecuted? I mean, he said very clearly in his book that he used drugs, he had uh, gun, a gun, at least a gun. Point of order, Mr. Chairman.
11: State your point of order. Totally irrelevant and not germane to this proceeding. Right, he,
10: sir, he's got, his, he's got his five minutes. Go ahead, continue. This <laughs> so ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> I understand why um, you do not want Mr. Wilcox to answer that question It's very clear why you don't want because there's a dual system of justice in America that's what's going on right now and everybody's talking about it across America there's two standards of justice that are uh, that are going on so I'll just close by saying this mister mister chairman you know time and again we find ourselves addressing these cynical plays by the Biden administration now they're going uh, you know going after uh, the gun-owning people of America, the, by the way, the legal gun-owning people across America, and it's always using administrative law to do it. This is nothing but a cynical ploy that's going on by the Biden administration, trying to score points with those people that are in their corner um, of the American public. All you got to do is look at what uh, happened with the student loan thing. It was an election year gambit that went on. They were trying to motivate young people to get out and vote. And how could they do that best? By playing the Supreme Court and Republicans off, oh, those are those evil people that are going to make you have to pay off your student loan. By the way, I have two daughters who have student loans, and they should pay it off. They signed a contract. Our this guy is so animated. Contract. He's, he's funny. It. And yet this is this kind of cynical stuff that goes on with the Biden administration Plus that Midwest accent, you know. And this is no different. This is no different at all. It's time that my colleagues on the left in the Biden administration stop trying to unconstitutionally make law-abiding citizens into criminals. Stop using administrative law the way you're using it. I yield back.
0: Awesome, right? Just absolutely awesome. Now, I got another one here that's going to just... oh, Give me a minute. I got to find it here. Um.
12: Chairman Fallon and Subcommittee Chair. Okay, here yeah. this is uh, this is or, Mr. Clyde, um, who is in, you to can to just call
0: us. Chairman, he, that's fine. He, he is uh, a, a,
12: works. an FFL um, holder. He's pretty thank awesome. Thank you for allowing me to participate in this joint hearing. As one of the few federal farms licensees in Congress and a small business gun store owner for over 30 years, I've had a lot of experience working with ATF.
0: These are the exact people that we need in Congress when it comes to fighting for your rights, because they are. On the front line they are where the rubber meets the road and they know the the uh, the amount of weight that the atf pushes on ffl holders this is a great comment
12: our unalienable right to keep and bear arms this fundamental freedom is certainly under attack by president biden and the atf with the new frame and receiver rule the pistol brace rule and now the most recent attempt at universal background checks through president biden's executive order on january 13th the atf finalized its pistol brace rule, which unlawfully treats firearms with stabilizing braces as short-barreled National Firearms Act-restricted weapons, effectively turning millions of law-abiding gun owners, including many disabled veterans, into criminals in just 120 days. Unelected anti-gun bureaucrats announced to law law law-abiding gun owners possessing these pistols with these attached braces that, starting on January 31st, they have only 120 days to register, turn over, dismantle, or destroy their firearms. Failure to comply with this unconstitutional measure will result in up to 10 years in jail and a $250,000 fine. The ATF's abuse of rulemaking authority dangerously violates American Second Amendment rights, irresponsibly disregards Congress's sole legislative authority, and reveals yet another uninformed flip-flop decision by anti-gun bureaucrats at the ATF. Back in 2012, pistol braces were determined legal to use and shoulder. The decision was reversed three years later in 2015 claiming stabilizing braces were were illegal to shoulder, turning pistol-braced firearms into unregistered short-barrel rifles. This This changed again in 2017, when stabilizing braces were once more determined to be legal to shoulder. And now here we are in 2023, as the ATF is yet again vilifying pistol braces and turning their owners into criminals, and in the process, destroying the hard work of entrepreneurs and small business owners like Mr. Roscoe. To help with this injustice, this week I introduced the Joint Resolution of Disapproval, H.J. Res. 44, under the Congressional Review Act with Congressman Richard Hudson, as well as the support of over 180 of my House Republican colleagues as original co-sponsors to repeal the tyranny of ATF's misguided and unconstitutional pistol brace rule. This ATF rule and every other form of gun control pushed by the Biden administration is nothing more than a thinly veiled assault on our Second Amendment rights. It is yet another attempt to advocate backdoor gun control in order to disarm our nation and dismantle Americans' Second Amendment freedoms. The intended end result would be an unarmed America, which would make for a less safe and less free America. Mrs. Swearer, will the ATS pistol brace rule reduce crime and save lives, do you think?
4: Almost certainly not. Uh, in fact, it's, it's mostly liable to create felons where there were not felons before, instead of attacking violent crime as it currently exists.
12: And by the tens of thousands of them? Yes, sir. Uh, so if the intent is not to reduce crime and save lives, what do you believe is the purpose of ATF's pistol brace rule?
4: Uh, I firmly believe that the intended purpose is, is simply to try to do, do something, if you will, about gun violence in the, the, the typical way of, well, look, we, we've done something. We've regulated more. THE the PROBLEM IS THE REGULATION IS NOT DIRECTED AT THE VIOLENT CRIMINALS THEMSELVES. IT'S Mm -hmm. it's DIRECTED AT MILLIONS OF PEACEABLE CITIZENS WHO ARE NOT AND NEVER WERE THE PROBLEM. MEANWHILE, um, TO THE EXTENT THAT IT IS REGULATING THESE DEVICES FOR WOULD-BE VIOLENT CRIMINALS, CONGRATULATIONS. THEY they HAVE A PLETHORA OF OTHER WAYS OF EITHER OBTAINING THAT SAME FIREARM BECAUSE if, IF THEY'RE NOT prohibited and just bent on violence, they can pay the $200 tax and they still have the same firearms. So we haven't even cut down that option for them. Or they can turn around as most of them do and, and break other laws, obtain firearms off the street uh, with pistol brace or no pistol brace, NFA or not NFA. She's so intelligent, um, right on as the spot. most of them do, they're, they're already not using these firearms, they're <laughs> using non-NFA firearms. Right. Um, they, it just is not directed at, remotely at any part mm-hmm. of the problem.
12: Uh, Mr. Bosco, in 2012 and 2017, the ATF found pistol braces were not subject to the National Firearms Act controls. Has the basic design of stabilizing braces changed over the last six to ten years?
3: The brace has been the same thing that I've done in 2012. It is a piece of rubber that attaches to the back of a firearm with two flaps and a strap, and it allows you to fire the weapon more safely. It does nothing
12: to change the lethality of the firearm. Okay. Okay, so why do you think ATF flip-flopped and then flip-flopped again on the decision process concerning the legality of the pistol brace accessory? Because the political wins at the ATF changed. That's
3: simply it. They needed to do something, anything, and the one thing that I think a lot of people wanted to talk about was the brace issue, and they talked about it, and the, the, the process through which they're doing it is this promulgation of regulation. And now, after I don't know how much time, I mean, another... Two weeks, three weeks, two months, ten to forty million Americans will be criminals. Gentlemen, Thomas. Thank, Thank you. Thank you.
0: Chair recognizes Ms. Holmes All right, let's pause for just <clears throat> just a second, and we'll get right back to it. You are listening to the Range Minded Podcast. All right, now let's <clears throat> let's jump to. Uh, Man, I was actually pretty excited to see, as part of uh, of Congress, this dude. I mean, I I love Jim Jordan. I love some of these other folks. But this man is an absolute stallion. This is Clay Higgins. Maybe.
8: Let's try that again. Hold on a second. Man, that had
0: my volume turned down.
10: Let's look at the facts, and I just said them. A hundred...
8: Copy of a bill, H.R. 1678. Titled the Protecting Legal Firearms Ownership... Act of twenty twenty three. This bill was given to staff prior to the committee, Mr. Chairman.
0: Now I believe he's referencing the short act here.
8: I ask united. Without objection. To thank, you, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um Mr. Chairman. Evil is not born in the mechanisms of man. It's born in the heart of man. Been a lot of passionate discussion here today. Let's call it that. There's no such thing as gun violence, ladies and gentlemen. It's only human violence. It's intellectually unsound to assign an act of violence to a mechanism of man. So we are an assemblage of people, and sometimes it's quite inconvenient to to my colleagues that lean left that we live in a representative republic, and we are a constitutionalist nation. So the Constitution doesn't say a lot of things we wish it would, does say some things that others don't like, but it most certainly grants every free american the right to keep and bear arms it says that right shall not be infringed and we have a balance of power mr chairman as the founders intended between the executive branch the legislative branch and the judicial branch and the executive branch is intended to have broad and sweeping authorities and when you have an executive branch that abuses that authority You don't change the authority, you change the executive. That's what elections are for, and that's what we'll do. So in the meantime, we're responding to ATF oppression of our Second Amendment rights, very calmly and judiciously, because we have that right as American citizens to uphold our right to keep and bear arms. That's what this legislation does. Biden administration, with the stroke of a pen, through ATF rule, is forcing Americans into felony possession of illegal firearms with the, with the stroke of that pen. So this legislation maintains the legal possession and ownership of a firearm or a firearm attachment according to the rule regime that existed when it was legally owned and possessed. Pretty simple response to the oppression we're seeing out of the federal government. Ms. Swearer, thank you for being here. Do you recognize that the founders intended to give broad authority to the executive branch?
4: Uh, no. The the authority of the executive branch, just as for all branches of government, is fairly limited and, and certainly the executive branch is not tasked with such broad authority to create. Or pass or legislate laws into existence just to enforce okay.
8: those? Solid answer. We we can debate about that when we have more time. I would suggest that the language of the Constitution does indeed intend is why I call executive authority. There's, there's no there's no votes, there's no legislation passed, there's no judicial procedure, it's executive authority. So when that executive authority is abused and infringes upon our constitutional rights, do we not as Americans, you're a constitutionalist good lady, I'm sure, do we not as Americans have the right to, to respond and stand for our rights?
4: Uh, well, certainly the congressional branch has the, the opportunity to respond uh, with, all of, with both other branches for checks and balances. We can they, write
8: legislation, but individual yes. Americans have that right to stand, correct?
4: Uh, we certainly have the right to
8: what I'm getting at with this is that is that Americans were left out of this loop. They purchased a weapon legally. They went to their gun dealer, they gave their information, they had their background checked, they purchased their weapon, they brought it home, they've committed no crime, and yet they've been criminalized by the Biden ATF. And my colleagues across the aisle can deny that if they want to. what I just stated is fact. Mr. Chairman, I thank you for allowing me to participate in today's joint committee hearing, and I yield.
0: Mr. Higgins. Oh, we need more people like him in government. Now, maybe you don't like what he says. Maybe you don't like his accent. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you feel like he's a little bit intellectually dishonest. <clears throat> if, you, <laughs> if you've if you paid attention to Mr. Higgins from the time he first ran for office you know where that dude stands as far as individual rights firearms ownership any of that stuff you know where that gentleman stands i think he is a ton of fun uh he would be definitely a dude i'd like to uh i'd like to meet and uh and have a conversation with maybe one day maybe one day all right let's jump <clears throat> let's jump to let's see where's the next one so we're We're getting close to the end of what I have set aside. I still have another over an hour of this to watch. And I'm not going to put you through this whole thing, right? You're probably getting sick of what I have to say. Actually, I'm not even saying it. This is legislators talking, so that's why I decided to do this. Anyway, let's jump to Mr. Chip Roy, who is uh, also another fantastic individual.
9: To Mr. Big? No, okay.
11: Chair recognizes Mr. Roy
9: my colleague from texas and um i would simply note and i just came from another here i know we've got votes coming on the floor uh the extraordinary concern that we have with bureaucrats making law right i mean that's at the crux of this we can talk about guns we could talk about uh, putting bad guys in jail i'll do that in a minute but at the crux of this is a bureaucrat making a unilateral decision to try to turn millions of Americans into felons, to advance a radical leftist agenda, which is clearly what is at play. And I wonder if Ms. Ware, if you could comment to the extent you already haven't, but just to reiterate, the extent to which the unilateral action by bureaucrats at an agency, at ATF, to do what Congress has not done, how that is clearly in violation of our separation of powers principles uh, at play.
4: Uh, so our Constitution, as you mentioned, is set up uh, with s- separated powers. We, you have the executive branch whose job is to enforce the law, and you have Congress uh, who passes laws because Congress is held accountable to the people. Uh, they are the ones who are elected. Uh, no official at the ATF is, uh, or any other agency, is elected and held accountable through the, the, and, the democratic and you believe, process. And
9: you believe the ATF has abused its rulemaking authority here?
4: Yes, and it has done so in a way that, that uh, infringes on rights without the American people having a process by which to recall those, uh, those appointees.
9: And so therefore is it your position that the rulemaking in question is in fact unconstitutional and unlawful?
4: Yes, in, in several capacities.
9: And therefore the, it being applied to American citizens would be unlawful and unconstitutional, and therefore Congress uh, in its duty in separation of powers has an obligation to check that overrun executive branch. Would, would the gentlelady agree? I, I would, yes. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, I would note, I I heard one of my Democratic colleagues earlier, you know, complaining that if we were to go after individuals who are violent criminals, that somehow that would put more people in prison. Yes, that is in fact the goal and the objective of that effort is if people are violating the law and they are violent and they are a danger to society, then yes, I want them to be in prison. And as a former federal prosecutor who prosecuted bad guys with guns under Project Safe Neighborhoods, a bipartisan effort to try to target criminals who are using guns to carry out violent acts and crime against the American people, yes, I put bad guys in jail. And I'm glad. I'm glad. I hope we can put more bad guys in jail.
0: Right? Isn't that what it's for? But I
9: don't want to put law-abiding citizens in jail who are exercising their Second Amendment rights and being able to defend themselves and their communities. And yet, that's what we're having an executive branch bureaucrat unilaterally decide to do. This should send shivers down the spine of all members of Article Two. And look, I I don't view this through the lens of it being a Democratic administration. I didn't like it when the Trump administration was doing stuff like this. Whether it was the bump stock ban, I didn't like that either. But my colleagues on the other side of the aisle no doubt love that because they love the policy outcome i thought that was bad i thought it was bad that you go down the road of using executive power with respect to building a wall which i support i do support building a wall but i don't support unending use of emergency powers to carry out that kind of executive action And i introduced legislation in the previous administration to address that because i think we should actually on a bipartisan basis try to stand up against the overreach of the executive branch. And in fact, it is our duty in Congress to do so, irrespective of which party is holding power in the executive branch. I would only ask one last question to Mr. Bosco. When you were involved with the creation development of the stabilizing brace, in your wildest dreams did you think a bureaucrat would try to say that you didn't have a Second Amendment right to be able to use that, and could you please extol uh, and ex- uh, accentuate the benefits of the? I never, never would have thought that ATF
3: would unilaterally make a decision through the bureaucratic process to ban my product. again. That's uh, that's not me breathing in the mic, by the way. That's up to you guys. That's not up to a bureaucratic agency. The product was designed, again, as a safety product, an orthotic device. It changes nothing on the firearm. I have no disagreement with ATF's ability to do their job of putting criminals in prison but i don't think anybody on this side should agree to give the atf the authority to unilaterally make a a, a product illegal and circumvent the legislative process that's the only reason i'm here to talk about you guys, with you guys is to say that i don't want atf to do that if you want to do that then you do that but don't let an executive agency circumvent
9: your your power, your authority. Without a yield back, thank you. Charles.
0: Very important information there. Now, there is still a ton. In fact, there are a few comments I chose not to include in this first little bit. Honestly, I thought about uh including Mr. Swalwell from California, his his comments, but he drops the F bomb a couple of times in reference to a tweet that was made <clears throat> uh earlier. in, in it's repulsive and mostly his comments are, are just showboating uh, like he always does. Honestly, most of the comments from the left are just simply showboating and trying to earn some political points, uh, just to show that, yeah, they are trying to do something and those evil Republicans are, are stonewalling them and, and not letting, letting them do anything, which, which is exactly right because they are destroying your right to defend yourself. Um, one thing we didn't talk about, I can't remember how far into this particular hearing, there was a disruption uh, with with the audience, or what do you want to, the, the congregation, well, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, I, I don't want to, a congregation makes it sound like a church, and th- th- honestly, the, Washington is not clean enough to be a church, but <clears throat> one of, uh, they had to kick out a, a few individuals for uh, protesting, basically, um, and, and a few of the democrats were complaining that why are you kicking these people out they were just simply sharing their their thoughts and concerns about they lost their child i think in sandy hook or one of those places again tragic awful uh, it, it's it's a terrible thing to lose a child i understand that but not for the sake of of causing problems and protesting in a committee absolutely ridiculous uh I'm gonna play one more forty-four se- or one more comment on the forty-four seventy-three. Um let's see, it is right. Uh, somewhere around here. Yeah, it's just just hideous. It's crazy. Okay. Thank th- th- thanks, Mr. Khan, and I do appreciate that. Oh, and this is this is part of the comment about this one. Democrat congressman was, think, was mad think, that those I people got booted I, out of the I, of myself. the hearing.
11: I do have empathy for people, people who have
1: had an, an unspeakable loss.
0: Yada yada yada. Let's keep. So <laughs> it is just it's just ridiculous that uh, that Congress, both honestly, both sides of the aisle, do this. They <laughs> they turn this into a kabuki theater, and it drives me crazy. Just stick to the topic at hand. Don't deviate. Don't showboat. Don't try to give yourself some sort of political valor in in air quotes uh, about a situation. Don't hijack a hearing. Let's just talk about the comments, uh, the, the the stuff relative to what's going on. It just drives me absolutely crazy. All right, this is Mr. Longworthy. I'm not sure where he's from.
13: <clears throat> well, thank you very much, Mr. Chairman, and I'd like to thank all of our witnesses for being here today to discuss the crucial need to uphold the second amendment and I know our witnesses today and many of my colleagues will agree that the right oh, he's to from New York. I remember is one this guy. that we must do everything in our power to uphold and to defend for the American people that elected us. Uh, now Mr. La- La- LaRosierre are you at all familiar with ATF uh, form Fundbusters on Twitter and YouTube. the firearms transaction record? Yes sir. Can you explain the evolution of this document?
11: So. This began in the Gun Control Act, right, which is what established federal firearms licensees to begin with. And originally this document, uh, you'd effectively just attest that you were non-prohibited. Of course, over time, what makes an individual prohibited has expanded rapidly. But for right now, I guess your question is, is what do you include on in the document? So personal identifying information, Uh, you know, name, address, a a proof of a a piece of ID, and then the firearms that are to be transferred.
13: Okay. I believe it started off as a one-page document. It's now a seven-page document, and I will say that even when I tried to download it, uh, it took a very long time. The ATF has made it very hard to acquire the document, and you need certain system requirements, and then you have to go through several hoops just to download it, and I hear a lot of feedback from our constituents on that. Uh, Can you speak to the language in the document?
11: Uh, I can mostly from memory. Yes.
13: Okay. You know, constituents in my district have said that it's become so complex that it's deterring people from uh, obtaining and purchasing weapons.
0: And I don't know if that's so the, the case. So the
11: instructions are certainly very obtuse, right? There are yes and no questions on the front. They ask for identifying information. They ask for identification on the firearm. Then there's a whole additional box whether or not you picked it up on the day of purchase. So it. It can be quite complicated, especially in, in jurisdictions where you have a mandatory waiting period.
13: Okay. Do you believe that the agenda at the ATF was to to make the document a deterrent for law-abiding citizens to purchase firearms?
11: I believe that the Gun Control Act was pretty facially a deterrent to the interstate transfers in arms.
13: Okay. Now I wanna move on and I, uh, talk about pistol braces. Uh, Mr. Bosco, we have all heard the story of about why you created the pistol brace Uh, in innovation like yours uh, is what makes this country exceptional Uh, and we applaud it Uh, why would the ATF impose rules against your pistol brace
3: I mean I can't speak specifically to why or what the ATF did
0: now it's interesting because they're they're always you know the left want to know what Mr. Wilcox's opinion is of what the ATF is thinking, yet when they talk to Mr. Bosco here, who has had communication as well with the ATF, he is unable to communicate what the ATF is thinking, because that's not in his purview, because he has nothing to do with it. So how is Mr. Wilcox able to answer for the ATF and what the ATF's derivatives are? I always thought that was interesting in this, in this hearing.
3: Did uh, I do know that it is a political issue. So essentially the political wins at ATF changed after 10 years and they decided that that was something that they were going to go after. We do understand that there were people, uh, there was a transition team involved when uh, Trump finished his presidency and there was a Biden transition team that went into ATF and requested ATF. Uh, ask them what things should be, we, we Interesting, would be working right? on, Interesting. and those were the points that President Biden pointed out in his first speech about uh, firearm regulation in his first weeks at office.
13: Well, I do know that constituents of mine, specifically returning veterans uh, who go to ranges, think it's a, it is an absolutely great innovation and is very helpful to them in their lives. Um, and, and lastly, Ms. Swearer. Uh, do you think that the recent ATF rules that are allegedly meant to deter crime might be leading Americans to obtain weapons in illegal fashion?
4: I'm sorry, I'm not sure I understood that question.
13: Okay, it, it, some of our some of the the, the various um, ATF you know rules and regulations that have been put on the books in the last several years have. have do you believe that they've been intended to make our law-abiding gun owners and purchasers uh, appear to be? Uh, Acting in an illegal fashion. Truly, really well, sure that question the first time. i that the
4: intent is to make it look that way, but in practice, that is what happens. Is you you have law-abiding, peaceable citizens who, especially in the case of this this pistol brace rule, are sitting there with their lawfully obtained firearms, uh, and then a lot of times, even without their knowledge, because they're not paying attention to what goes on in regulatory rulemaking processes, overnight they are now felons, whether they recognize it or not. So, in practice, regardless of what the intent is. Uh, In practice, this is not directed at violent criminals, it it is directed at and has the effect of creating criminals out of peaceable citizens.
13: That's great. In in my home state of New York, many regulations have been put on the books that have drastically deterred legal gun dealers from selling um, to law-abiding citizens in in preventing them from purchasing arms. Can you speak to what ridiculous gun regulations are doing to the law-abiding gun owners and legal gun dealers?
4: Uh, again I, I would say I know that time is essentially expired sure. but to, to summarize uh, it has that same effect regardless of what the intent is in practice the, the biggest impact that it has is to create criminals uh, where there were not criminals previously it's not directed at, at violence that's right
13: thank you very much and I yield back mr. chairman
4: thank
0: you. all right so <clears throat> we're gonna stop here uh, I, 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 there's a part of it that says I apologize for maybe some of the annoying context and information that's being shared. I felt it was important that you listened to the words of the people testifying and and commentating directly, because what you're going to get is you're going to hit you're going to anywhere else or most other places unless they sat down and listened to with you like I just did, like we listened to this together. Um, you're going to get hearsay in, in a little bit, and, and I understand that a lot of the information I shared with you was only one sided. Mostly because I didn't want you to, if you're listening in your car, to to turn into a bridge embankment or something because how ridiculous the left's arguments are. I'm telling you, most, probably 80% of what they're sharing had nothing to do with the arm brace rule and had to do with showboating about just gun violence itself. The pistol brace has nothing to do with gun violence. Now, Mr. What's-His-Name, Wilcox, was able to to point out maybe three or four instances where a firearm with a pistol brace was used in a crime. But you need to remember, and I'm sure you guys understand this, that rifles of any kind... If, if they want to categorize these as SBRs, short barreled rifles, rifles of any kind have such a small amount to do with any kind of violence involving a firearm. Okay? Death with a firearm. 0.02% all, uh, of any firearm death is, is. 0.02% is with all rifles combined, not just AR 15s. Now, this information is getting harder and harder to find. I wonder why. It's just like them changing the definitions of, of uh, a mass shooting event, changing the information on how we categorize death of children. If you look it up, look look it up. You'll see that from zero to five, it is not firearms. It I think it was obesity or, or influenza. I can't remember what it was. It's not until they hit fifteen to nineteen year olds that firearms are are the leading cause of death. And I wonder why we've talked about this before that violence is caused in inner cities. Gang violence, uh, it's the callous of a heart, has nothing, just like Mr. Higgins said, it's has nothing to do with the tool used. Evil comes from the heart, not from an invention. I hope you guys really understand that I hope you do I imagine most of you do I, I know a lot of times I end up monologuing and going crazy on my shows I I get it I understand it Maybe that's something that you don't like and that's fine You don't have to listen The reason I want you to hear the words of the people that are speaking Is so you know that I'm not full of shit You need to understand and hear this stuff you need to arm yourself, not just in defense of your life with a firearm or other life-saving device. You need to arm yourself with, with, with intellectual properties, right? Well, that, that wasn't right. You know what I'm saying. You need to, you need to understand intellectually and arm yourself intellectually to, to fight against just some of the most ridiculous information that's being shared. And it is non-stop. I'm really curious to hear what happens when the ATF shows up. I think they're supposed to be in front of the Judiciary Committee next week, sometime in April. I want to say it's the second week in April. They actually talked about it in this hearing. <sighs> and there's still another hour and some left of this that I haven't watched. And I'm not going to drag you through it. Watch it on your own time. But but, but please pay attention to it. Please. You need to understand that there are individuals out there at the national level, at the federal level, fighting for your rights. They're not sitting on their laurels and waiting for something to happen. But what does need to happen is you need to get on the phone, you need to email them, you need to message them on their social media and tell them thank you. I can't imagine what a daunting task it would be to be sitting in this Judiciary Committee... How frustrating it would be to to hear nonstop arguments and and just stupid differences of opinion. It's okay to have a difference of opinion. Don't take me wrong. But when they use their time to showboat and be intellectually dishonest with the American people, to force fear and use emotions to create laws that inhibit the constitutional rights of the people that they're sworn to serve, is ridiculous. It's ridiculous, and it's unfair, and it's something that we all need to be paying attention to. Now, maybe you think guns are, uh, guns are not the problem. Maybe you think we should be worried more about cyberbullying or some of these other things, and that might be the case. But I'm telling you, and I know I'm not the only voice sharing this. If we lose our right to defend ourselves against tyranny, which is the purpose of the Second Amendment... What's going to stop tyranny from taking other things away? We have a constitutional republic if we can keep it. We are always one election away from losing our freedoms. And honestly, they have been incrementally disassembled for years. And both parties, I'm... uh, I sincerely believe this. There are members in both parties that are happy to take your rights away. Happy. But there are a few people left that truly believe in the Constitution, that truly believe in fighting for what is right. They honor their oath of office and they will fight tooth and nail to save you and your rights and they are being demonized non-stop I'm telling you DC is a septic tank and once in a while we'll get somebody in there that tries to do the right thing but they just end up getting covered in poop it's, it has got to be such a spiritually and emotionally draining place to be I believe there are many people that get elected and believe they're going there <clears throat> and they will fight and they will, will never give in to the, the garbage machine that it is, but inevitably they get chewed up. And maybe your emails and your phone calls will keep those people fighting just another little bit longer, you know what I mean? Now that doesn't mean we should allow these things to get to this level, the federal level. Don't forget your school boards. Don't forget your state or your city representation. You need to be holding all these people accountable. And I know it's easier said than done. I'm not the best at it all the time either. But hopefully somebody out there listening is like, you're right, I need to be better, and I'll do it. Friends, the second amendment is in the constitution for a reason and it has nothing to do with the militia it has everything to do with the preservation of freedom everything nothing to do with hunting you don't have to believe me that's fine, that's fine, whatever I I might be speaking hyperbolic but go read the Federalist Papers go read Contemporary Documentation Listen to the words of the Founding Fathers when it comes to having arms and being able to bear and keep arms. Listen to the intent of the drafters of the Constitution and then make up your mind. Your feelings do not trump our freedoms. Freedom is much more important. And it is slowly deteriorating. I'm telling you, if we don't do something now, if you don't make your voice heard now, soon it'll be silenced. And then we will wonder why. Don't let it happen. One day we will have to answer to our children and maybe our grandchildren and have to say, we come to an accounting of what we did to keep freedom alive. <laughs> Do your part. Do your part. I, I hate sounding so negative all the time. I It's just, right now, it's just my nature. It's just the way I feel. And that's just, just the way you're going to have to deal with it. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. I, I know listening to other people's commentary can get pretty boring. I don't know if I've kept you guys entertained for the last whatever hour and some. I know this is a longer episode, but hopefully you had a chance to listen to what was being said. If you want to listen to more, you just look up the, um, hold on, my computer just shut off. The hearing is called, come on, get out of the way, you stupid thing. The ATFs is sold on the Second Amendment. When is enough enough? So you just Google that, ATF, the ATF hearing, congressional hearing, any of that stuff, it'll pop up. And, and you can listen to the whole thing. It is long. It's like I say, it's almost five hours. I've been listening to this all afternoon. And it is frustrating in some ways. It's frustrating that we are where we are. Friends, thank you for your time. Thank you for hanging out with me. Thank you for being as passionate towards the Second Amendment as I am. We that at... at At the Range-Minded Podcast, we know and we understand how important the Second Amendment is. And that's why we encourage you to share that with others. Take somebody shooting. Proselyte. (laughs) That's basically what it is, is. We're proselyting the importance of the Second Amendment. Our freedoms are important. And we need to be exercising those freedoms and showing how to... Uh, responsibly exercise those freedoms with with those around us. Don't be scared to talk about gun ownership. It's okay. Owning a gun is normal in the United States. What they never want to tell you is how often a firearm is used in self-defense, and it is thousands of times a day. That information used to be available, but it's been scrubbed. Thousands of times. A day. Owning a gun is normal. It is an American right. No other country has that privilege. No, sorry, it's not a privilege. It is a right. No other country has that right. Exercise it. I appreciate you guys for for taking time. Uh, a lot of time is what it feels like. Well, maybe it's because I've been listening to this this hearing for hours and hours and hours. But I appreciate your time. If you like what we've talked about today or in some of the other episodes in the past, whatever platform you're listening to us on, give us a review or give us a thumbs up or a star rating. I don't know what all the the, the podcast apps have. But let those algorithms know that you like content like ours and other Second Amendment-related content. It's important because that's another way to share because it pops up in the algorithms and it suggests more shows like these and other Second Amendment-related episodes to other people. It's important. We need every little bit of, of ground we can get. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. Make sure you take somebody shooting and... Uh, yeah, don't do not do dumb stuff. Appreciate you. Be safe. See you guys. Hey, gang. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Range Minded Podcast. We enjoy having you guys here. Plus, if you want to reach out to us on our social medias, uh, we got at Range Minded on Instagram or Facebook or even Twitter now. And we just started a YouTube channel. Well started a while ago but we're actually trying to use it because you can find us on youtube as well if you want to email the show you can email us at uh, rangeminded at gmail.com we check that all the time anyways give us a good rating give us a review whatever it takes we'll take whatever level you want to give us and we'll see you next time on the range minded podcast